We start this week with the scripture and the sermon up front. We're going to switch things up. We hope that this will provide for something to think about and meditate on that will then produce singing and worship in the second half of the service. So we're doing things a little different today. My prayer is with this and um, is, is that you will have full minds of understanding of who God is so that we can produce worship and, and, and worship our Lord with thanks and praise in the second half of the service. So today as we look at this psalm, Psalm 138, I'm praying that your hearts will be informed, your minds will be filled with truth, and that you will then respond with thankfulness this coming week. Yes, we're taking a break from Luke for just one Sunday to look at this psalm with the hope that we will be more thankful, we will learn more about our God, and we will respond in worship this week. Thanksgiving is my second favorite holiday of the year. It's a close second to Resurrection Sunday. On this holiday, we all stop and we thank God for all that He is and all that He has done and all that He will do. Being thankful is, our, is one attitude that every Christian should be demonstrating all the time. This is what Christians are about. Gratitude. Thankfulness. If we look, the epistles of Paul are loaded with thankfulness. As we saw at Grace on Campus this week in Ladies Bible Study, Philippians 1, Paul starts with, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. The new covenant believer is thankful. This is who we are. This is what we're about. Yet, in our culture, more and more, we skip being thankful for the materialistic and corrupted Christmas season. I know this may be a little bit of a soapbox for me. If you come next year at Thanksgiving, you'll probably hear me do it again. I'll pick Psalms every year at Thanksgiving to remind us. I don't know what it is about our culture. They're doing everything they can to skip Thanksgiving and get right to the give me stage. Now, I know when you go into Christmas, many of you might have the idea you want to give and give to other people. That's a good thing. However, it's not the case with most of us. Many in our culture, here we go, we've got a guy. This was on the news on Friday. You see his tent out in front of Best Buy. He's been there since Monday of last week. He's camping out so that on Black Friday he can be there and get his 55-inch colored TV screen, big screen TV, for his house. There's something wrong with this. A culture that is absolutely obsessed with stuff. It's a culture that doesn't want to take time to just thank God. going to have a hard time thanking God out there in front of Best Buy. He will only be thankful if he gets his big screen TV, I would imagine. I, I grappled with, I was going to show you a YouTube video of people being stampeded as they ran into stores on Friday morning. Ladies laying on the ground being stepped on to get into a store to buy something. Our culture's sick. And we can fall in that same trap, folks. We need to be truly thankful for all that God has provided for us, whether we have big screen TVs or not. find it interesting that the Apostle Paul describes pagan people 
In Romans 1, verses 21 to 23, this way, he says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. What does this say about our hearts? What does this say about our culture? It makes sense why our country looks like the people of Romans 1, 24 to 32. God is handing us over. We as a people are under the judgment of God. We are rejecting the God that has made us and we are not thankful for what he is doing and has revealed about himself. Obviously, everyone who has been saved is out from under that judgment eternally. But as a whole, our country is under that judgment. We need a revival in our country. We need to repent and believe in Jesus Christ and put our focus on him and be thankful for what he has done. My prayer today is that God will show us a fresh glimpse of his glory and cause us to praise and thank him as we study this psalm. And then we will be filled with joy and we will thank God as he deserves to be thanked this week. Being truly thankful has everything to do with the correct understanding of God and ourselves and the world we live in. Gratitude in worship is the result of knowing God, knowing ourselves, and knowing the people we live with. If you think God owes you something, then you will never be thankful. Thinking you are owed Something is thinking highly of yourself and low of God. Thinking you deserve good is thinking highly of yourself and low of God. If you think and understand that God has overwhelmingly been kind to you and loves you, then you will always be thankful. And it's when you forget that that you can't sing like the psalmist says to sing. When should we be thankful? When things are good or when things are bad? Always. We will see in this psalm, we must resolve by the grace of God to be thankful at all times. This should be our heart direction. This proper thinking can be found only in the hearts of true born-again believers. Only believers in the one true God know that they really deserve judgment and hell. But a loving God has sent his son to die for us, to redeem us out of this judgment we deserve. So we look at this psalm David wrote in hopes that we will worship God and thank God for his grace and love. This is very personal psalm of David. Let's look. Here we see at the beginning it says of David, a psalm of David. David wrote this psalm that helps us to understand why God should be the object of our thankfulness. We do not know when specifically David wrote this psalm, but at several times in David's life, he faced opposition and trials. In this psalm, David alludes to a time when God had rescued him from the, in the past. And then David expresses his continued need for God's deliverance. But at the same time, He's thanking God for who he is and what he's doing. Often, psalms are didactic. D-I-D-A-C-T-I-C. That's like a teaching in a logical form. But at the same time, psalms are poetry. They're poetry also. So they have this idea 
that they can be logical, but because of the poetry, it makes it harder sometimes to understand the flow. But this psalm breaks down pretty nicely. In Psalm 138, it can be outlined with three main sections. A commitment to thanksgiving and worship. We'll see first. Second, a comprehension or an understanding of future thanksgiving and worship. And third, a confidence in God that comes from a thankful heart. I know this is not a parallel outline, and I would fail homiletics class now, but this is how the passage unfolds, so we're going to go with it. As we go through this psalm, my prayer is we will all be motivated to thank God, thank our Lord this week. So let's start with David's commitment to give thanks in worship. Notice in verses 1 through 3, it says this. A psalm of David. I will give thanks with all my heart. I will sing praises to you before the gods. I will bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word according to all your name. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. The opening commitment to give thanks is broken down into two main sections. There is the resolve to give thanks and the reason to give thanks. The resolve or commitment or determination to give thanks and the reason for this giving thanks. Let's look first at the resolve to give thanks. This is found in verses 1 and the first half of 2. David expresses his commitment or resolve to thank God in four ways. David says, I will, I will, I will, I will do this. David's heart is convinced he must thank God continually. David is committed to thank God in worship. Notice David says, I will give you thanks with my whole heart. This describes the quality of thanksgiving. It's given in this place. It's given in this little phrase, with my whole heart. Wholehearted thanksgiving is giving thanks totally satisfied with who God is, what God is doing, what God is going to do, and what God has done. Totally satisfied. That is wholehearted thanksgiving. That is not a heart that goes, I thank you, God, but will you do this? <laughs> wholehearted thanksgiving is, God, I'm just thankful. You're good. Let me ask you a question. Are you ever totally satisfied with who God is and what God has done and what God is doing and what God will do? Are you ever just completely satisfied? Okay, I'm good. Thank you. That is wholehearted thanksgiving. Can we say, I will give thanks with my whole heart, with everything I have? Or do we say, I will give you thanks when you fix this situation I'm in? Or are we wholeheartedly resolved to thank and praise God? Notice David does not specifically identify who his gratitude is in this first verse. In the first verse, he just leaves it open and he doesn't even give the name of who he's talking to. We get a beautiful little picture of how personal this psalm is. David is speaking to his God. We often start our prayers with Heavenly Father or Lord, right? Even in the services, we always start Heavenly Father or Lord or whatever, right? But here David 
doesn't even mention the name of God for the first three verses. The name of God is, we'll talk about it in a second. The name of God is mentioned, but it's not mentioned directly. He doesn't directly say his name. He says you. Yeah, just you, God. He doesn't even say it. What is this? Well, you get a glimpse of his personal, individual walk with God. You get an idea that this psalm is something that David would have said regularly. He would have thought this way. It was like he's walking around in intimate communication, and he just starts talking to God. You know what my heart's about. You know, God, I'm, I'm going to thank you. It's a beautiful little picture. For the believer, the one who should receive our thanks and praise is obvious, right? We know who we should be thanking. Is there any question? We should be thanking him all the time. The one true God of the Bible is the only one who deserves and receives our thanks. That's who deserves it all the time, right? And so we walk around. Have you ever been walking around and you just think about maybe a family member and you say, thank you. Thank you for doing that, God. Thank you for that child. Thank you for my wife. You don't even say God with the name. You just say thank you. It's like personal relationship with God. You're just intimately walking with him, and you don't even address him by name. It's like he knows your heart. And here we have that kind of glimpse into a psalm that's so personal and so intimate. He's talking to God. Thank you. I will thank you. It's beautiful. It's important to note that thanks towards God is not a once-a-year thing. It's a common practice for all believers. It's something that we are committed to doing constantly. And God has assumed the audience of all of our thanks. It's just like this. By the way, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That literally means to be controlled by the Spirit of God, correct? When we are controlled by the Spirit of God, what happens? What is the result? We see it in Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? What is he saying? That if you are controlled by God, your life is Filled with always thanking God. God, thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for where I am, no matter what the circumstances are. Thank you. A believer's heart is filled with gratitude as the Spirit works through us. This is what the psalmist is saying. I resolve, I will thank God. I will do it. Next, David says, he's resolved to sing praise to you before the gods. I will sing praise to you before the gods. This identifies the location of David's thinking and worship. He says it's found in, a, in, in this little phrase, it's found in the midst of the gods. What does he mean by this? Literally, it means in the midst of the evil, wicked False gods that are presented by the world. In the midst of all this falsehood, I will sing praise to you. I will thank you, God, the only true God. The idea is despite how wicked we are surrounded and the wickedness that we're surrounded by, we will praise and thank God, the only true God, constantly. Singing praise to God is a way of acknowledging God's worth. Isn't it interesting that in Ephesians 5, when Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit, he also talks about singing and making melody in your heart to God? This is who we are as believers. We sing and we thank and we praise our God constantly and we are resolved to do it. Singing is often misused and abused in our culture, isn't it? And even in churches. Singing involves emotions. 
Singing is a form of worship. If our hearts are moved by a right understanding of God, we can really express our heart with music. Music should be a wonderful thing. Singing is a gift from God. We're about to sing in a little bit. And when we do, sing unto the Lord. Sing freely to the Lord with all your heart. Not to drum up emotions. Not to be emotional. But because of who God is. You know who he is. You know him, believer. You know he died for you. You know he sent his son. You know you are his child. So sing praises. For the deaf, your facial expressions and your body movement are how you show emotions. You probably look at some of us hearing and think, man, those hearing people are boring. They don't express their emotions much. But I want you to know, deaf, when we sing, that's our emotions. They're coming out in result, in response to who God is. That is our time to go, I love you, God. That's what we do with our music. Music can express what's happened on the inside of our heart. So we sing with all of our voices, praising and thanking our God. I love my wife. She constantly has music going on in our house. Um, I, me, personally, uh, I, I don't always go right to singing. But she always has music going. It's a wonderful thing because our kids learn, learn what music's about. And it is an expression of our worship to God. So I find it interesting that this is coupled with giving thanks with all our hearts. <laughs> Sing with all our hearts. So when the palm, psalmist says... I will sing praise to you before the gods. He is saying, I will express with all my heart the enthusiasm, the excitement, the awe, the fear of knowing you, God, that has been produced in my heart. I will express it by singing. Singing praise is a way for David to praise and thank God fully for all that he is. So David resolves to sing praises with full emotions in the midst of a wicked world. Some of you might think even when I'm up here, I'm preaching. I'm not always quite this animated. <laughs> this is my time to just absolutely worship God. I can't think about who's sitting out there. I can't think about what y'all think of me. When I'm up here, all I do is just let it rip. I just want to say, God, you are good. And your word is worthy to be read and listened and understood. This is my time to worship the king and to proclaim his word. That's what the psalmist is doing here. The idea is David directs his thinking towards thankfulness. I resolve to do it. Notice third, I will bow down towards your holy temple the direction of David's thanksgiving is towards his holy temple, towards his holy presence. The, the, uh, the temple itself had not been built. This word temple can be a reference to the tabernacle also or the tent. Or it could even be a reference to, generally speaking, to God's presence, his holy place. The idea is David directs his attention to God. And he praises and thanks God. The direction of our thanks is to the Holy One himself. God is the Holy One. And to approach his presence involves total humility and reverence. Even when we come to thank him and praise him. Notice it says, I will bow down. I will prostrate myself. I will lay down flat before you, God. Before your presence, obviously worship is involved here. Bowing down 
is the heart attitude that's expressed in action. It's important to note worship and praise and giving thanks are all tied together. It's important to note worship that never includes thanks is probably not true worship. Did you hear me? If you're not grateful, you're probably not really worshiping. There's got to be an attitude of gratitude. We humbly come before the holy God only because the holy God has provided a way for us to approach him. Why can I even go to the holy God? Why can I come to go to his presence? Because Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God, died in our place, rose from the dead, and God has declared us right. And so we can praise and come into his presence because of him. How can that not include gratitude? You know, how can we even talk to God, sing to God, without saying, God, thanks, I can even talk to you. You did it. You accomplished what I cannot accomplish. You did what I cannot do. You are just. You are righteous. You are holy. You have declared me right. Notice fourth and finally, I will give thanks to your name. The object of David's thanks and praise is God's name. Now this is strange. Again, he hasn't mentioned the name, but now he talks about God's name. I will give thanks to your name. He is saying, I will give thanks to you for all that you are. Now listen, this is great here. God's name. Listen, pay attention, focus, listen. God's name is who he is. The name in the Old Testament was used to describe the person, who they were, their character. Now, I find it interesting, deaf, pay attention to me. It's just like sign language. God's name is just like sign language. Who is this, deaf? Tom. This is Tom. Stand up, Tom. Stand up. This is Tom. His sign name? That's his name. You know why? Give us his bicep. <laughs> you got it. Where's Amy? Where's Amy? Is Amy here? No, she's out. Where's Amy? Amy? In the back? Oh, no idea. She's talking to some. Amy, you ready? This is Amy. Amy. A. Amy. Why? Patience. Patience. Amy. Her name, her sign name, shows who she is. That's what her, she's about. She's a patient lady. The sign name represents who she is. Ronaldo. Jonah's Jonah's saying, <laughs> Ronaldo. It's his pretty boy hair. <laughs> Pretty boy here. It's who he is. So God's name, when we praise and we thank God, we thank him for who he is. This is who God is. His character. And he follows it up with the reason. Notice in the very next thing, he develops what the name of God is all about. What his character is all about. He says the reason to give thanks is found in 2 and 3. And he gives two reasons. He says, God has made his name and his word great. God has made his name and his word great. For you magnify, God, you make your name big. It's better translated this. Because you have made great your name and your word above all. You have shown yourself to be big. You have glorified yourself above everything and above all. Both your name and your word is huge. God 
has caused his name and his word to be exalted above all. Again, it's interesting how David talks about God's name, but has still not used God's name in the psalm. Again, the emphasis is on the character of God, not the actual letters of God. It's what he's about. This is who he is, so therefore we thank him and praise him. God has made his character to be known, to be great as he is. He has demonstrated who he is for thousands of years. God is worthy of our thanks. He's worthy of our praise because his glory is on display everywhere all the time. I find it interesting the atheist says, I need proof God exists, right? That's what the atheist says. I need proof. God exists. But we believers walk around saying, you need more proof? (laughs) Wow! I mean, I see proof right in this room. Tons of it. Look at the diversity. Our God is amazing. Look at our eyes. Look at our bodies. We can breathe. We think he just created all of this. Is God glorious? Does he deserve worship and praise all the time? His display is amazing. I was walking around the block on Thursday night after Grace on campus, just praising God. It was a clear, I love the wintertime in Florida. The wintertime in Florida, the sky just gets wow. It's just amazing. You look up and see all the stars. And God just made it all. He just spoke it into existence. He said, happen, and they're there. Millions and billions of stars just spoke. In Genesis 1, it literally says, and he made the stars too. (laughs) It's a side note for God. Just a little side jot. And he made the stars also. The evidence is overwhelming. We walk around in awe of God. There's reason he's magnified his name. He's shown his character to the world. Second, God has answered prayer on David's behalf. Look at verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. This is a specific example of making God's name great through David. Countless times David had cried out to God for help and God had helped him. But in this case, David probably had one specific time on his mind. Could it have been when he killed Goliath? Remember, everybody else was afraid. A giant nine foot bigger than Shaquille O'Neal or the tallest NBA player ever. Out there mocking and saying, come on, come on out and fight me. And David says, who is this guy? (laughs) No problem. He's mocking God. How does he have that kind of boldness? How does he have that kind of courage and strength within his soul? How does he have it? God gave it to him. He cried out to God and God answered him. Or maybe when he avoided Saul numerous times. Remember Saul tried to kill him? Or the numerous times he killed or fought with the Philistines, the enemies of God. He killed thousands. One guy, thousands. How? God. Or the numerous times when even his own son was wicked towards him and, and sought his death. People were always after him. Either way, David acknowledges God heard his cry and answered him and made him bold with strength in his heart. I think it's very interesting here that God is the one that literally gives courage, boldness in the inner man. 
This isn't about necessarily the outward things. But this is what's going on in your heart. Who helps you to accomplish things? Even in your heart, in your thinking, in your mind, your courage. Where do you get that? God gives it to you. You don't muster up courage. Do you understand me? God gives you the courage and boldness to stand firm for him. David knows it, and he praises God for it. Everyone in here who has turned from sin and committed to Christ has been delivered from a huge bondage, right? You've been delivered from a gigantic danger. You deserve judgment. You deserved hell. But God transformed your heart and gave you a desire to follow him. That only comes from God. You do not repent and believe without an awesome work of God's power and grace in your life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, folks, listen to me. Why do I thank God? Why do you have reason to thank God this Thanksgiving? If for no other reason, for your own deliverance from the judgment you deserve. And folks, I'm convinced that we could thank God for this every day, every hour, for the the rest of our life, and it's still wouldn't be sufficient. We should be praising and thanking our God every second of the day because every one of us deserve eternity in hell forever because we have not thanked and praised our God as we should. What's the one time I remember? The one day was the day that he took my sins away. The judgment that I deserve, he took and placed on his son. And he murdered his son for me. He judged his son for me. Do we have any reason to thank God? Yes. All the time, all the time. Now let's rip through this. Second, a comprehension of future Thanksgiving is found in verses 4 through 6. David knows that God is not going to leave the things the way they are. And that confidence And comprehension that the future is going to be bright. And God will be praised is part of his mind that provokes thanksgiving. All the kings of the earth will thank. Give thanks to you. His name's mentioned here. Yahweh. When they have heard the words of your mouth. And they will sing of ways. Of the ways of the Lord. Yahweh. For great is the glory of Yahweh. For though the Yahweh or though Yahweh or God, the Lord, is exalted, yet he regards the lowly. But the haughty he knows from afar. Now David turns his attention on the future. See, David was fully aware that he lived in a wicked world. He knew that on every one of his borders, people who hated God hated him. But David knew the situation was not a circumstance that would last forever. Get this. Mark this. This is important. He knew one day in the future, all, notice it says, all the kings of the earth, all the kings of the earth will give thanks To you, God, the one true God. So David reveals his understanding of future praise and thanks from all the kings of the earth is in the future. He says it's going to happen. 
And he says, the promise of future thanks for all the kings of the earth is sure. And the reason for this future thanks for the kings is given in verses 5 and 6. The promise of future thanks from all the kings of the earth is found in verses 4 and 5. He says, all the kings will give thanks to you, Yahweh. All of them. This section looks again to the future. David looks forward to a period in time when every day, oh, this is good, listen to me, every day will be thanksgiving from everyone. (laughs) I can't wait for that day, can you? I can't wait for that day. And it's knowing that that day will happen is what keeps me going in this wicked world. How do we survive in a world? Listen, folks. How do we survive in a world that spits in God's face all the time? How do we survive? With an eye to the future. Knowing that God will be glorified and thanked by all the kings of the earth one day. It's a guarantee. God has promised. And David holds on to that promise. An eye to the future is the only way you survive today. Now, y'all hang in there. Look, I'm not to my point where the singing's supposed to start. It's coming. Hang in there. Get this. You must know that this is not what eternity is about. Notice, they will sing of the ways of Yahweh, just like the psalmist, just like David. In the future, all the kings of the earth are going to sing praises to God. Man, it reminds us, doesn't it, of Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, right? When it says, for this reason also God highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and bestowed on him the name which is above, what? Every name. And at that name, what? Every knee will bow And those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God of all things, to the glory of God the Father. I can't wait. How am I going to worship God on Thanksgiving? In a world that's filled with wickedness, wretchedness, misery, and pain. With an eye on the future. That this is only temporary. This is not our home. Our home will be different. The reason for this future thinking of the kings is given. It says, they will thanks... There will be thanks. They will give thanks when they have heard the words of your mouth. Now, wait a second. Don't they hear the words of God's mouth now? Don't the kings of the world hear the words of God's mouth now? Why aren't they praising him? Why isn't the world praising God right now? Why aren't the kings doing it? Why not? Because they haven't really heard it. Again, it's not about the year. It's about the heart. They haven't embraced it. They haven't embraced it. They don't understand who Christ is. They don't understand who God is. So they miss it. And they don't praise the only true God. But one day, they will understand. And they will thank him as he deserves to be thanked. Notice, also, they will understand The greatness of God's glory. For great is the glory of God. Oh, glory is another word that has to do with the name of God. His character. Who he is. God's glory is. He is big. Literally, the language could be, he is heavy. (laughs) He's impressive. (laughs) God is wow. (laughs) His glory He's noteworthy. He's worthy of praise. One day, even the kings, all the kings of the earth will sing praise to God 
because his great, his great glory. And then finally, they understand the wisdom of his sovereignty. Look at verse 30 or 6 rather, 138.6. For though the Lord is exalted, for though the Lord is exalted, yet he takes no regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. See, the kings are going to understand, and notice it starts with the word for, because they will understand the wisdom of his sovereignty in the future. They will get that he is the real king. Like Nebuchadnezzar, remember? Nebuchadnezzar came to understand that God is the real king, and that kings go and kings rise all because of God. And he says this, he had regard on the lowly. That's who he's about. That's what God's about. He's sovereign over everything. Every position that you have is because of who? God. We have, we have people in positions of authority all in this room. You know why you have that position of authority? It's not because you're something good. It's not because you have achieved some level of greatness. It's because the sovereign God in his plan, has put you there. And so what do you do? You praise him. You thank him. And you say, I'm not worthy. At the same time, one day, the kings of all the earth will say that and understand that. That he exalts the lowly. Maybe right now you're at a position where you say, I'm in a lowly spot here. I don't have anything. I'm nothing. Maybe you're flipping burgers or something. Cleaning toilets. It doesn't matter. God takes note. God knows. He recognizes. He understands. We who are believers in Jesus will actually rule and reign with him. It's not about your position here on earth. It's not, is it? It's about God and his glory. Yahweh is high. And he regards the low. But what does he think of the proud, the one that thinks he's all that? He sees them, but he sees them from afar. The idea is, is there's an aspect of judgment. He's not really... Showing the fullness of his glory. He's not right there saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. He's from afar. He sees them, and there's judgment. The one that is proud, God resists. But the one who is low, humble, God blesses. And all of us who have been humbled by his word say, you are king, we are not. We are your slaves. We are your unworthy slaves, and we worship you, King. And there's great joy in that, too, by the way. Knowing all this, ladies and gentlemen, is some of the greatest and glorious truth. And it leads us, finally, to a confidence in God that comes from a thankful heart. He says... Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. Yahweh will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, Yahweh, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hand. Obviously, we've got to move through this, but we see some beautiful pictures here. If you have a thankful, worshipful heart, and I want you to understand this. Get, if you don't get anything else, get this, okay? Listen. If you have a heart that's thankful and recognizes God and your eyes are on him and you're praising him, you will have confidence in God. You will trust him no matter what your circumstances are, as you are thankful and you are praising God, you will trust him. You will say, though I walk through the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will strengthen me. 
You will stretch forth your hands against my enemies. You are God, and I trust you. You are sovereign, and I know you are. I will trust you. If, listen, if you have an attitude of gratitude, then confidence in God will flow. Hope will come. And you will petition God, do not forsake the works of your hand. You will depend on him. You will walk with him. You will enjoy him. Thankfulness leads to dependence. Thankfulness leads to trust. Thankfulness leads to commitment. But if you are unsatisfied with who God is and what he's doing for you, you won't trust him. You won't be satisfied, and it will lead to displeasure. You will work and attempt to do everything you can to rationalize in your mind how you can get yourself out of the circumstance you're in. You will hate it. You will fight against your circumstances that are sovereignly given by God. You are where you are because God is in control. If you don't have a right view of God, this world makes no sense. Did you hear me? None. You know who God is. You know what he's done in Christ Jesus. You know what he is doing in you. You will trust him to accomplish what concerns you. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, what a, what a psalm. A glimpse into the heart of a believer <laughs> and a glimpse of your glory. Oh God, we deserve your judgment, but yet you have graciously poured out your kindness to us. Oh God, give us hearts of thankfulness. Give us voices now to sing with praise and worship to you for you deserve all of our praise and all of our worship you are god you are lord you are majesty king we are just people your people chosen by you saved by you promised glory by you we praise you and thank you, and we commit the rest of the singing service to you. We will resolve to sing praises to you right now. In Jesus' name.